God is for us because he fully forgives. Do you know that? Do you believe that God is for you because he fully forgives you? It's been three years, three long years. And the man had admitted his guilt. He'd been in jail for three years. He served his sentence. It was time for him to go home. He didn't know whether his parents wanted him back. He didn't know whether his parents had forgiven him. And so he wrote a letter to his parents. It's a true story. He wrote a letter to his parents and said, Dear Mum and Dad, I'm being released from jail on Thursday the 23rd. I just don't know whether you've forgiven me and whether you want me home. I'll understand if you don't. I'll make my own way to the village. I'll get a bus home. But could you give me a sign, a sign that you've forgiven me? You know that old oak tree in the middle of the village? If you've forgiven me, could you just tie a yellow ribbon on the old oak tree? And if I see the yellow ribbon, I know that you forgive me and I'll get off the bus and I'll come home. But if not, I will understand. As he got on the bus on that Thursday morning, can you imagine how he's feeling driving towards his village? Heart is pounding, his mouth is dry. As the bus turns a corner to the village, he, he hides his head in his hands. He can barely look at the old oak tree. And when he looks up at the old oak tree, he sobs and sobs uncontrollably. Because there's no yellow ribbon on the old oak tree. The old oak tree is covered from head to foot with yellow blankets and yellow tea towels and yellow ribbons shouting, I forgive you, I forgive you, I love you, I welcome you, welcome home. See, in many ways that is the cross of Christ, isn't it? Not a yellow ribbon tied to an old oak tree, but a, a human being, the sinless man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is hung up on an old cross. And he's shouting to you and shouting to me a sign, I forgive you, I forgive you, I love you, I'm for you. So we all need forgiveness. Every one of us here in this room needs forgiveness. We may not have committed a criminal offense like that man did, but we've all done things wrong. And we've all failed to do the right things all the time. We're all guilty. And the soldiers who crucified Jesus were guilty. They, they mocked Jesus. They taunted Jesus. They dressed him up as a pretend king with a scarlet robe. And instead of a, a crown of gold, a crown of thorns on his head. They're mocking him. They're taunting him. They're teasing him. They spat on him. They struck him. And they beat him. And they are guilty. The executioners are guilty. They're the ones who were gambling for his clothes whilst a dying man is giving up his life. The criminals are guilty. They say we are being punished justly. We're getting our, what our deeds deserve. All these guilty people. But the reality is, friends, that I am guilty and you are guilty. The Bible calls that sin. My selfishness my pride, my lying, my lust, all these things that I do that I know are wrong and hurt other people and hurt God, or all the good things, the acts of kindness that I don't do, the kind words that I don't say, we're all guilty and we all need forgiveness. And that's the glory of the cross. That's why God is for us, because he fully forgives us. The cross of Christ is extraordinary. 
the perfect, sinless, innocent man who is not guilty steps into our place and takes the pain and the punishment and the guilt on his shoulders so that we might be forgiven. He is punished so we might be forgiven. And I want you to understand this this morning, that you are washed, that you are clean, that your sins, your wrongdoing are gone. God does not see them anymore. Please don't walk around this earth weighed down with guilt. You can leave them at the cross. Please don't walk around feeling ashamed at what you've done or who you are. You can leave them at the cross. Please don't wander around pretending that you're someone that you're not, as though you don't want people to know the real you. God knows the real you. God sees the real you and he forgives you. Do you know that you're fully forgiven? Do you know there's nothing you've done in the past that Jesus did not die for? Do you know there's nothing that you will do in the future that Jesus didn't die for? You are fully, totally forgiven. Today and for all eternity. I hope you know that. God is for you because he fully forgives. Let's pray this response prayer together. Heavenly Father, how we marvel at your grace and mercy. When we cry out to you, you hear us. When we ask you to remember us when you come into your kingdom, you offer that certain promise of paradise. Lord, your grace and mercy exceeds anything we might imagine. We come to you today trusting in you and you alone. We come to you today confident of your forgiveness and your love. So we pray, Lord Jesus, remember us when you come into your kingdom. Amen. God is for us because he forgives. Secondly, God is for us because he forsakes. He forsakes his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That cry of the, the fourth word, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a cry of desolation. It's a cry of abandonment. It's a cry of pain, actually. I hope you understand the, the physical pain that Jesus suffered that first Good Friday. You never grasped crucifixion. It was horrific. Uh, you'd be laid down against a, a wooden beam and the executioner would find that depression, that little spot just there in your wrist and they would hammer a, a square wooden nail through your wrist into the wood and they'd do the same on the other side but they'd leave just enough slack so that you weren't taught. And then they get your left foot and they would point it down over your right foot and they would drive a nail through your ankles and they would leave you there to hang. And the pain that would shoot through your nerves and the pain that you would feel as you tried to lift yourself up on that cross and then your windpipe would be cut off and you'd asphyxiate. And that endless cycle of pain and torture and torment and asphyxiation and then your heart would give way your heart would pump thick gooey blood round your body as death approached it was horrific and Jesus 
went through that. We can't ignore that. That Jesus loved you enough to put himself through that physical pain at Calvary. But the Bible doesn't talk about the physical pain. It talks about the spiritual pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? That word forsake will change your life. On that first Good Friday, something spiritual is happening. Do you notice how from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land? It's noon, it's midday, the sun is supposed to be shining, it's not supposed to be dark. But darkness in the Bible is a, a symbol of God's wrath or God's anger. The holy, righteous, perfect God is rightly angry at injustice and violence and pride and abuse. That is right, isn't it? And God's righteous anger has to be poured somewhere, doesn't it? And God's righteous anger should have been poured on me and on you. If we've sinned, which we have, if we're responsible, which we are, then we should face the wrath of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, says Jesus. The most extraordinary truth. Understand this, marvel this. All of the sins of every person who's ever lived has been poured down and down and down and down. The wrath of God down, 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 down to one point in one person at one time in history and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's what's happening at the cross. God's wrath is poured out on Jesus instead of you. He is punished so you walk free. He suffers so that you might not suffer. God did not inflict pain on someone else, but on himself. On that first Good Friday. See, Jesus' death has a purpose. Imagine there's a man standing on one side of the road, and the woman on the other side of the road says, do you love me? Oh, yes, darling, I love you, he says. Oh, show me you love me, she says. And that man on the other side of the road jumps in front of a bus and dies shouting, I love you, I love you. I mean, it's nice, but it's pretty stupid because he's now dead. But if that woman was in the middle of the road with a bus hurtling towards her and she's about to die and the man jumps out from the side of the road and pushes her to safety and rescues her shouting, I love you, I love you, I love you, there's purpose in his death, isn't there? Of course he loves her because he's died for her, he's given his life for her. That is the cross of Christ. Jesus is forsaken so that you might be forgiven. And if you ever question whether God is for you, just hear that cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus takes the wrath so we never have to. God is for us because he forgives. God is for us because he forsakes. And lastly this morning, God is for us because it's finished. It is finished. They are three extraordinary words, aren't they? It is done. It is complete. There's nothing more that we can do or that we need to do. Remember the story of the Tanzania marathon runner, uh, John Stephen Athwahi, who 
competed in a marathon in the 1968 Olympic Games in Mexico. He, he was never expected to win, but he was quite a good runner. Early on in the race, he was boxed in and he was pushed and he dislocated his shoulder and he kept on running. Later in the race, he was pushed again and he stumbled and he damaged his knee and his knee was blooded and bandaged and he kept on running. Towards the end of the race, he was pushed again and he sprained his ankle. And people kept saying, just give up, just withdraw. And he entered the Olympic Stadium hours after the winner and he crossed the finish line, blooded, bandaged, beaten and bruised. Someone asked, why did you not just give up? He said this, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish it. It's a good response, isn't it? And Jesus didn't step into the world to start the salvation process. He stepped into the world to finish it, to complete it, to do it all. And we celebrate Christmas every year with Jesus coming into the world, but he finished the work at Easter. He finished the work at the cross and the resurrection. It is finished, he says. There's nothing more to do. And to understand that, you've got to understand that every day, of, of their lives, God's people were expected to offer a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. Blood had to be shed for forgiveness. And day after day after day, they brought these sacrifices. And Jesus comes, the innocent, perfect, sinless man, and he sheds his own blood, his own perfect sacrifice, and says, done, complete, nothing more to do. No more sacrifices to offer no more punishment to face. No more wrath to appease. It's done. See, he did it all. And we get all the benefits. If you've seen the, uh, the film Footloose, it's a great film, actually. <laughs> uh, Kevin Bacon's son watched the film and said, Dad, you were amazing. How did you do that scene when you were hanging from the rafters? He said, oh, I didn't do that. That was a body double. But that, that scene when you're in the gym and you're doing all that, all that work in the gym, how did you do that, Dad? Oh, I didn't do that either. Someone else did that for me. And his son said, well, Dad, what did you do? He said, oh, not a lot. I just, I just got all the benefits, all the glory. Someone else did all the hard work. And that's the cross, you know. Someone else has done all the hard work and we get all the benefits. Jesus did it all. We just receive forgiveness and peace and love. Can I just say it's actually offensive to God to think you need to do anything? It's basically saying that the cross wasn't enough. It's like in some cultures, it's offensive to bring food or bring a gift when you come to dinner because you're communicating that you don't think they've got enough food for you. And when you come to church or when you live your life thinking you have to do things for God, do this, do that, offer this, offer that, it's basically saying the cross wasn't enough. It's done. He did it all. And we just say thank you. So God is for us. He forgives, he forsakes, and it is finished. Let me finish by asking this question. Has he forgiven you? 
Was Jesus forsaken for you personally? Do you believe that he's done it all for you personally? There's a German artist who was painting a lady and she saw this picture in the corner. She said, what's that? It's the crucifixion. And the lady said this, he must have been a very bad man to, to have been nailed to a cross. The artist said, no, he was a very good man. He was the best man who ever lived. The lady said, what, why are they killing him? And the man said, well, Jesus died for all people. And then the lady asked this artist this question, but did he die for you? And that got him thinking, did he die for me, he says. Did he die for me? So let me ask you, did Jesus die for you? Do you believe that you're forgiven and Jesus was forsaken for you personally? On your seats, there's this gospel called Matthew's Gospel. Take this away and read it. There's this course that we run, similar to Alpha, called Christianity Explored, where you can ask all your questions. Take that away, read it, and come along to that. I want to remind you this first Good Friday, this Good Friday, that God is for us because he forgives, he forsakes, and it's finished. Let's pray. Together. I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. You are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Gracious Lord, we trust you and you alone to be our saviour. We submit to your sovereignty over our lives. We give our entire being, body, soul, and spirit into your loving hands. We seek to live for your glory alone. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to love and serve you always. Here I am, Lord, available to you, both now and in the future. In the powerful name of Jesus.